Hi viewers, we're back again, and we're here with another Bond movie. We're back on Bond. Yay. So tonight we are going to be talking about... Yay! So tonight we're going to be talking about The Spy Who Loved Me from 1977, starring Roger Moore. Um, yeah. What can I say about this movie? Starring well, Roger Bohr, more like. Yes. Yeah. Shall I do the cast? Let's do the top six cast read then. Yes, sure. I like to do that to begin with. All right, so Roger Moore, as we just said, Roger Bohr as James Bond. Barbara Back, who I've never seen before or since this movie. Mm-hmm. Interesting Could... fact about her, but I'll say that. Yeah. Okay. Save that. Kurd Jürgens, or I think it's pronounced Jürgens, because I'd assume that that was a Swedish name. Richard Keel as Jules. Yes. Caroline Monroe is played Naomi. Interesting uh, facts one. about her as well. Okay. Any other facts? Any any, any, any facts about anyone else? Any facts on <laughs> Churchill or Hitler or? <laughs> <laughs> Stalin, actually, but we'll talk about that on another show. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's it then. That's the top five. Uh, the other guy, uh, Walter Gotel as General Gogol. I don't even remember General Gogol in this movie, so that goes to goes to show how um, interested you were. That guy is, yeah, interested <laughs> I was, and how famous that guy was, yeah. <laughs> Right, so what's the story in a nutshell, then? The story in a nutshell is that two submarines are stolen. Nuclear missiles are aimed at both uh, Moscow and... New York. New York, thank you, yes. And um, the guy doesn't care. He's just going to fire the missiles, let anarchy reign, let everyone blow each other up, and then try and build something underwater where everyone can live in a complete, wonderful utopia. Sounds like the communist dream to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so with that said... Let's get into it. And usually at this point, we hand over to Smear, who has some facts, apparently, about all the actors. Yeah. So, Smear, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, oh, sure. Fuck, I, think, I think his internet just cut out. Right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello, can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Houston, we've got problems here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What do you mean? Okay, so... The facts uh, about the actress, um, Barb was actually married to um, one of the Beatles. I don't know if you knew that. She's married yeah, to no, Ringo Starr. Ringo yeah, Starr. Ringo yeah. Star. yeah. And wow. yeah, so that's one of the facts. And she became famous. She was a model and um, she was born in England, born and brought up in England. But she's doing a pretty typical, I think, what we thought was a Soviet accent slash Russian accent at the time. So we basically use a British slash English act- actress to play a, a Soviet um, spy. So, right. it, that, that, yeah, so that's uh, uh, quite interesting. So she was a model before this movie, and yeah. did she do anything else after this movie? Because I've never heard, as I said, I've never heard or seen from her since. I, I think she did one or two B-movies, and then after that she married uh, good old Ringo, and I think Ringo Starr said... Set for life, know, then, yeah. Yeah, I said, yeah, don't have to work, you know, we'll have some kids, uh, enjoy yourself. Monroe, who plays Naomi in this movie, is also quite interesting. She was in the Hammer movies, uh, Hammer horror movies. So she's uh, been uh, in the Dracula movies. She was uh, played, actually, the Lady Dracula uh, in Hammer movies as well. And she was quite famous to wear those uh, tops in those Hammer movies were 
She was famous for a bust at the time. And yeah, so that's uh, her, that. That was her credentials. Was was us Hammer uh, Hammer <laughs> movies, and uh, that's it, really. That's her and, credentials. Get your tits out, love. Right there yeah, you go. Yeah. You're a star. Yeah, you're a yeah. star. Um, and as you know, uh, in that movie, uh, she's shown her figure uh, because essentially that's what she was famous for uh, right. in the okay. horror movies uh, as well. Um, and Kurt, the guy who plays. Uh, Strasberg, he is, I think, a uh, Swedish slash German actor. He was in Battle of Britain as the ambassador to uh, Germany, and he goes and visits uh, the British ambassador in Switzerland to make peace with Adolf Hitler. And he was in uh, The Young Lions, I think, uh, which is a black and white movie with Marlon Brando, again, playing a German soldier. But he was the main hero in that, uh, starring ahead of Brando, who at the time was the king of the screen. So, yeah, he, he was pretty famous and pretty big. Right, um, okay. Well, yeah, I suppose that makes makes a bit more sense there because I'd never seen of him. I'd never seen him before either. There's a lot of lot of actors in this movie that I was just like, who the fuck are you? But, okay. Well, well Jaws is one of them. I think uh, I think Richard Cowell, I think beside this, he did the Cannonball uh, movies. If you remember, he was in that Japanese car. So it was him and that Japanese driver where there are loads of computers and that was his next role after the Bond movies. I don't know if you remember that. Where there I was do not a... remember that, no. Do you remember that, Justin, where uh, in Cannonball or Cannonball 2 where there was that uh, uh, Japanese driver and uh, Richard Kill? I confess it's been a long while since I've watched those films. You watch. Oh. What? How yeah. dare you, sir? I know. <laughs> yeah. P45 in the post then, mate. Jeez. Yeah, well, I, I remember the driver now you mentioned it. I do remember the sort of the, the Japanese high-tech kind of very stereotypical, wasn't it? But I do not yes. remember him being being it. But, yeah, it's it his... been a long, long time since I've seen that shit, though. Well, that tells you how I remember things that I shouldn't really bloody remember, mate. That's the sad mm. thing about <laughs> me. But uh, I haven't watched it in about 25-plus years, that movie, I think. But yeah, that, that that is some of the facts on the some of the main actors uh, sort of thing. I've got other facts as well. Okay. Um, Go for it. Steven Spielberg was actually uh, penciled in to uh, actually make this uh, movie, or was considered, and he was one of the two uh, top two or three choices. But for the, some reason, at the last moment, they changed their mind and just stepped to their formula and had um, uh, Lewis basically direct. The movie rather than Spielberg, uh, there. I know why. Go on, then. Go on, then. It was going to be changed because Saltzman was <sighs> in a lot of financial trouble and uh, his wife had breast cancer at the time as well. And Saltzman had letters, court orders, bailiffs, and all sorts turning up on his doorstep and at the studios, etc., etc., demanding money. Um, <laughs> and he had laid uh, or not gambled as such, but laid the the cost of the film. He didn't actually have the money to produce this movie, so they had to go and potentially find uh, somebody else to stump up the funds, hence Steven Spielberg potentially stepping in, because Guy Hamilton, Hamilton didn't direct this one no. either, did he? It was um, uh, Lewis, uh, the other Lewis. guy, um, that, uh, that directed it. So that was the reason why um, there was talk potentially of Saltzman um, not uh, not doing it at all. Well, I, I think if I remember correctly, uh, this was the first one where Saltzman couldn't get in, wasn't involved in it. 
because of the, what you've just mentioned, Dustin. But yes, you're right. Yeah. They had loads of financial problems, and Albert Brockley had to buy him out. Uh, yes, the, he tr- tried to, I think, but didn't no. actually need to in the end, no. or something along those lines. That's right. There was some sort of legal, technical reason why he didn't need to. You're right there. The technical legal reason was there was there was a there was a clause in in Fleming's contract for the books uh, to yeah. say that something or other couldn't be produced or done unless it was certain people doing it. Yeah. Um, so it had to be rejigged legally uh, to be able to be done because of the Ian Fleming's clause. So uh, why? So I uh, Sorry. Well, I'm just confused. Why does that mean that Steven Spielberg couldn't have done it? Uh, it was sort of financial reasons. Uh, I think funding. Uh, funding. funding. Right, so just money. Money. Yes. Uh, but if I come back to what you well, just Well, I could about... have shaved about a minute off of that fact. Yeah. But I can, uh, <laughs> for, for example, the, the, the... Justin, you're getting a little bit confused with the Ian Fleming fact, but I'll come back to that because I've got other facts that we need to get through as well. Um, at the time, it was the most expensive. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, at the time, uh, it was the most expensive um, Bond uh, film made and produced. So that was quite surprising. Uh, it cost them about seventeen million, sixteen and a half to seventeen million dollars. And they oh, spent what? What did, they, what did they spend that money on? And two million was on that set, basically, where the submarines were in the sort of ship. But yeah, that was a yeah. big yeah. So they spent. Oh, uh, Two million on just that, and Jesus Christ! Yeah, and it was the biggest yeah. uh, uh, stage um, in the world and Europe at the time. And I think for a long time it was the biggest stage in Europe because in America they built something bigger. So yeah, uh, and uh, so Pinewood has still got that facilities of that studio there, and they've basically built a special James Bond studio at Pinewood just for that. That's why you got the Pinewood. 007 Studios because of this movie. Right. So th- that was uh, that was because they could not basically say, okay, by the way, we're going to get a ship, split it open from the front or something, okay. and try to build it. Yeah, so that was a reason it would have sunk. Uh, it would have been Titanic uh, Part Two. Okay, and um, the other fact is, you know, the opening uh, sequence where actually um, Bond jumps off the mountain with his skis and the parachute comes. <coughs> Out uh, the Union yes. Jack. They actually were going to try then on Her Majesty's Secret Service for George Lazenby to introduce him as the new Bond. But but at the time, they didn't have the technology or the method to do that. So it took them another so many years to get all the right equipment to do that. And it's considered one of the top uh, two or three uh, opening sequences of any Bond movie and one of the top ten stunts ever in movie history. That's why they did it at the uh, Olympics in 2012. And Samir, I I was hoping that you might have brought up this fact as well. Maybe this might trigger uh, trigger you. Uh, Is that at the end of the film, uh, it says, uh, we will see you again and return uh, with, which, what's the next one? Moonraker. But it was for your eyes only. So at the end of this film... It says Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only, but it's yeah. not Moonraker's the next one. For Your Eyes yeah. Only is after so, Moonraker. So, so what, they obviously what, switched them again. Yes, they switched them uh, because the year after, Star Wars came out and um, Third Encounter 
came out. Right. And those who are uh, close account as the th- close yeah. count as the third kind. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You got. Yeah, I've got the title wrong, but yeah, you know what I was talking about. Um, so those two were massive hits. So obviously the producers, Bond producers, said, "Okay, let's put Bond into space next, rather than following um, the actual sequences." And that's how it, Moonraker ended up being the next one. And even that, uh, when we did cover that, is not actually based on the novel. The Bond uh, franchise, by the time we got to 1977, was the largest. Um, fr- earning franchise and the most valuable franchise in the world. So you didn't have Star Wars at the time and the other big franchises you have uh, out now, but Bond was the largest and the most successful. And even to this day, it's in the top three or four franchise earners and uh, success-wise. And the fact you were talking about, Justin, earlier, about Ian Fleming, mm. most of the film... Uh, was not based on Ian Fleming's novel. There was a reason for that because it was the, what Fleming said that if you ever produce The Spy You Loved Me, you're not going to produce it exactly like the actual novel because Bond in the novel doesn't uh, appear till one third through the actual book. And it is more about the actual Soviet lady spy, her point of view, rather than Bond's. But in the movie, he's in there much earlier. So there are some of the facts I've have, uh, which are interesting. Some are boring. The most interesting one is the cable and Jaws's teeth. Okay, because uh, that was made out of sh- um, sherbet, basically. Um, what do you call it? Um, licorice. Oh right, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So le- uh, the cable was made out of that. And so it was uh, some of Jaws's teeth, but then he had two or three sets, and he had to wear one certain set where he could only wear them for 30 seconds because they were so painful that he would have to take them out. So they had licorice set, a plastic set. So when you see him uh, bite that cable, he's actually biting thick licorice. If you look at it carefully, it does look like licorice colour as well. It doesn't look like a cable colour. Hmm. What, the chain yeah. on the door, you mean? No, not the chain on the door. You know when they're on the actual in Rio, basically. Yeah, that's not this film though. <laughs> no, sorry, not yes, the chain. Sorry, the chain. My apologies, the chain. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch the film? The uh, yes, the, I did the watch chain on, the chain on the gate where he bites through the chain. It's licorice. Yes, licorice. Yes, yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, sorry, I got confused there. Yeah, I did watch it, Justin. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So 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 he's uh. Uh, licorice, basically the chain, yeah, on the right. thing, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, how would how would you do that otherwise? I mean, because there's no human that can bite through a chain like that, is there? No, there isn't no human like that. <clears throat> yeah. And um, not only I'll that, I'll give it a go. Yeah, give it a good gnaw. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the other thing is uh, the other one I wanted to uh, talk about. The last and final fact is: Do you know when the lotus actually comes out of the? Water, yeah, uh, yes. onto the beach. They ha- actually had to hide a cable underneath the sand. Yeah, so th- they had yeah. to pull it in. And if you look at carefully, it sort of sort of moves like that, uh, and yeah. then goes off. So that was actually th- they were undoing a chain with a special system they'd created underneath when they pulled it up. So it looks like it's just come out on its own. Uh, so yeah, that's what it was. So that's my thanks. Excellent. All right, which is some interesting shite there. Brilliant. Yes. Um, all right, well, 
Justin, what have you got in terms of observations and continuity issues? So the uh, yeah, just God fucking hell, right? So not a lot then. <laughs> okay, just starting off with the uh, with the Ian Fleming fact thing. So yeah, the, the Lodders film wasn't in the books, so they had to come up with stuff. Yes, but they didn't really, did they? Because this whole <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't. They didn't. This whole sort of fucking American Russian Cold War thing is in this, you know, blah, blah. we'd already had this big thing opening up and swallowing a little thing and stealing it. <laughs> We've already had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then stealing the crew and imprisoning them and then releasing them and then having a big fight, you know, with the people they've imprisoned. Uh, that was a bit that was a bit shit. My favourite part of it was the, was Atlantis. That was cool. And I remember having a model of that as a kid as well. Continuity-wise, well, as always, um, yeah, and of course we had, we've, had, we've got a train scene again, you know, with compartments, you know, girls. You know, it has to be rescued, yeah. even though she's supposed to be some KGB agent. What's the matter with her? Does she not know how to handle herself? I mean, the... You know, in in the other Bond film, she was just some civilian. But this girl was supposed to be a, a fucking assassin. If I were making that film, I'd have had it. James Bond was just opening that door. And there was just, as he opened that door, it was just a quick snap of the neck. You know, so look at him and just go, I'm all right, I'm fine. Right. That, that would have been yeah. awesome. But no. So instead, we have a champagne bottle across the back. The stain appears, disappears, throws him out the window. <laughs> Uh, you know, kicks him out the window, but then as soon as he's out the window, the window's back again, and then the window's gone again. Lots of continuities like that um, throughout the throughout the film. The Lotus scene is is a massive one for continuity, but quite frankly, given the time or nineteen seventy seven, how were you going to actually do that any better? Realistically, mm. you know, the, the, you know, you the cars going down down the pier goes into the water. Okay, that's Lotus number one, done, finished, on the scrapyard. Um, you've then got to animate. You've then got to have this car animate with the wheels going up and everything coming out, the fins coming out. None of that is green screens. That was completely and utterly created. They're in there with scuba gear on, you know, with that mm. car electronically doing it. Somebody had to come up with that. You know, yeah, uh, I know it. I know it cuts to the underside of the car is 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 uh, solid white. Yeah, how like, else yeah, they, yeah. yeah. How else were they going to do it? You know, was, it's coming out of the water. You're right. You know, you were never going to get a petrol engine to work coming out of the water. So they had a cable hiding underneath the sand. Least we didn't see the cable. It little thing. But what was the point of the? What was the point of the fish? Out it was meant to be a little joke. Yeah, it's just a little bit of a joke, wasn't it? But, but yeah. people, you know, with something, a serious <laughs> film like this, people latch on to that. They're, yes, there were holes made in it. They weren't big enough for a fish to get in, would they? And can you no. imagine trying to catch a fish? I mean, you know what it's like dropping a pen down the side of your seat in the car? You know, how the fuck would you grab a fish? You know, and then just, you know, just wriggling around and then just calmly drop out the wind. That's rubbish. It was a stupid scene. 
take it out. But this was the thing. This was the difference that we were. Yeah, but this is (laughs) yes, yes, uh, uh, yeah. But this is the difference we were we've been talking about between him and Conry. I mean, you had um, uh, when they got in the escape pod at the end. He pulls pulls out a bottle of um, champagne, Bollinger, Don Bollinger, whatever it is, and you can hear the ice as he pulls the bottle out. You can hear the ice moving. Yeah. Thought he was going to need it, did he? You know. Is that... Oh, what you mean that escape pod? Yeah, that's we had. Yeah, we had ice in the bucket, ready yeah. and waiting for someone. Yeah, so yeah. Although there expecting... was no indication ever that you needed that escape pod, there was exactly. still ice in the bucket. The champ, right? I'm with you. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and of course, when you see the escape pod go up, it's got like a huge thing underneath. Um, yeah, yeah, to keep it, it stable. Keep it stable. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but when they put it on the when it it gets sucked onto the back of the, the they don't have it on there. Yeah, it's not there. It just floats no. on. So did it? What did it? Was it like a lizard tail or something? I mean, actually, the escape that the escape pod scene is talked about quite a lot and on a number of things because it's almost like they were just wanted to get the fucking film done. Um, because actually, <laughs> a lot of the, a lot of the continuity was on that. Uh, in that, uh, when they when she was in there, they landed in it. She's holding the gun when she sort of gives him a little smile and goes in for a hug. The gun's gone. Where, where's the gun gone? If you actually think about the basis of this story, okay, yes. you get a bit, you get a bit sucked into this uh, with these missiles being redirected through. Obviously, the the basis of the whole film was this um, uh, submarine tracking system. Um, yeah. You know, which that yeah. was the, that was the start of it, um, yes. and they reprogram these nuclear missiles to not go to New York and Moscow, but no. instead to go to the respective submarine. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if you think about this, firstly, um, those submarines, uh, the nuclear blasts from those submarines would have wiped out that tanker in the first place because it wouldn't have been at safe distance. If you imagine the, the, the megaton yielding of both of those nuclear bombs going off, that tanker was right in the middle of it. You know, there was no way that would have happened. And also, what exactly was the difference other than life? By having these nuclear subs kill each of the sub uh, nuclear missiles hitting each of the subs, it would have still caused the nuclear explosion and nuclear fallout and tsunamis and everything else involved with it as well. The only difference is that it didn't kill millions of people by land by hitting land, but they were still nuclear blasts. Yes, in the Atlantic Ocean. Yes, mm-hmm. that would have uh, destroyed the fish uh, supply. Yes. So it would have still caused exactly the same nuclear fallout that it would have done if they had hit on land. But yes. there's no mention of that at all. In fact, it could have even been worse, couldn't it? Because it was all moving about, and it's the ocean. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It would have created tsunamis, tidal waves, and, and all sorts. It would have taken out boats in, in, in every boat in the in the Atlantic would have hit a rogue wave and drowned. You would have killed. Well, you think of the you think of the actual animal life as well in the ocean that would have been devastating. Exactly. exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's all. It's all it's Obviously, we, we, people didn't think about the environment at their time, did they? Well, that's uh, yeah, yeah. That definitely is a, is a is a huge and, factor. Is that the environmental awareness at that time? I guess people, hey, Bond saved the day. Doesn't well, matter. Absolutely, but if you think about it, <laughs> yeah. if you then go right back to the beginning of this, he's stolen two nuclear warheads, bombs, rockets, whatever. Mm-hmm. We were in a time where both governments were perfectly able to change the nuclear launch code to both of those, so they would have never been able to use them anyway. 
I'm sorry, the, I'm afraid the whole thing yeah, but you're is talking completely about, flawed. Yeah, but, completely Justin, flawed. yeah but the, Justin, mate, you're talking about this through your military experience, right? Half of the audience have never been in the military, right? <laughs> your military Two... experience of dealing with nuclear launch codes. Yes. yes. Oh, I've fuck, got shit. lots of experience in nuclear military yeah. launch codes. <laughs> yes. yes, yes, yes. Well... Your history, when I mean, and your history knowledge of uh, how military works. Don't forget, not ninety-nine percent of people don't know these things. Okay, they want to bloody have a Friday night, living in a fantasy where this one guy saves the world, shags that beautiful woman. And that was another um, continuity thing, actually, that I did want to mention when they were fighting on the rooftop. Um, I mean, that guy was a bit like um, uh, the Korean guy wrestler, very short, very big. I mean, he must have been all of 25 stone, uh, yes. but yet he's holding on to Roger Moore's tie, uh, leaning back about to fall, yet Roger Moore's standing there like and not really holding his weight at all. You know, if, if somebody of that size was holding your tie, you know, and was, was falling off a building, you would be literally, like, A, trying to stop it strangling you, and also trying to take the counterweight not to be pulled over with him, not just hit his hand away and let him fall off the fall off the building. That was ridiculous. I, I laughed at that point. And observations have come to uh, an end. Well, thank fuck for that. Right, let's go on to our final thoughts. It was very difficult to watch. It was not a very good movie. It really wasn't. And I just right from, right from the very beginning with the whole ski scene, as soon as I saw Roger Moore going on the screen with a green screen i thought oh fuck this film i'm done already and that was like five minutes in i just there was no effort there it's like like roger moore's just taking the piss it's like hey look they're paying me to do this (laughs) you know as the 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 mountains are whizzing past his head in the in the fucking it's just oh mate And the whole parachute thing, I can understand the parachute thing, you know, at the time watching that, that's a big stunt. And there's no way I'd have the balls to do that. But the Union Jack parachute, oh, fuck off. It's a bit Austin Powers, wasn't it? Well, Well, Austin Powers is Bond. Bond, yeah. Yeah. Austin Powers is a bit like James Bond. Bond, yeah. yeah. Not the way that means is that you would expect (laughs) to have seen that in Austin Powers. It was because being a piss. I wonder wonder why, Justin. Yeah. But no, I, I it just the whole pacing of the movie was off. I felt it yeah. was very there was very long sections of this film that where nothing happened. Yes, yeah, and you're just like, well, what's going on? This yeah. is yeah. Can we speed it up? Is that was it two hours and fifteen minutes or something? This two whole hours, movie in total. And yeah. actually, we haven't thought... talked about the important five minutes of uh, of um, the theme tune either. Oh, what? Were the the, the women swinging around actually genuinely naked? They were, yeah, there's a lot of bouncy booby in that that opening scene. I thought I'd let you talk about that. Yeah, that's that's your domain, Justin. To talk about that filthy bit. Fucking perv. But the song, I I like the the piece of music. Nobody does it better. Nobody loves me forever. Whatever the lyrics are. <laughs> Jesus Christ, is that memorable, <laughs> mate? You, can't, you don't know the lyrics. Yeah, it's good. Um, I liked it. I was, it was good. Yeah. It's not a favourite. Uh, it's nobody does it better. Not nobody okay. loves me. But okay. Okay. who else has got some fucking faults then? 
Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, my thoughts. I, you know, what is surprising is quite a, a awful movie, and it's going to be Roger Moore's most successful movie, and the one that uh, basically was his biggest Bond hit. Uh, because that was, it, I don't know, it's a tradition. In every every Bond, the third movie is the one that makes them or breaks them. I, I agree with you. It's like when he's skiing, it's like he's not actually getting chased by any spies. It's like just like, it, it looked like Thunderbirds, if you see what I'm saying. It's like, plodding <laughs> yeah. along, la, 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 Also, the accent of that lady in the uh, cabin with him. Oh, James, I need you. And then he turns That's around. That's not as bad as bloody what's her face. His Russian accent coming and going. Did the, the bit when they got in the van? Yeah, you know, and he, and she says, "Give me the keys." That's about as English accent as you can get it in it. Give me the keys. <laughs> Where did the Russian go? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you mentioned about this was like what this cemented Roger Moore as Bond. Yes. How did that happen? Because if I was in 1977 watching this. I think I would have been drooling at the end of it. Like, what? I think I've lost some IQ points. What the fuck? Get more out. Get more out. Get somebody else in. How did it make him more successful? Yeah, this this is a, a funny thing is, because he's as loved and hated as Bond more is. That's the funny thing about uh, Roger Moore, because some people think, oh, my God, he's the best Bond there ever was. Uh, and it ever has been. Um, but then again, it's like all the sort of love scenes and all that. He just, I don't know, Roger Moore as a person in real life is a nice guy, but it's boring. He just was too slimy, I think. He did publicly say that at times he felt really quite uncomfortable yeah. uh, with some of these scenes because he was in his early 50s at this point and he was home to love scene with people as old as his own daughters. You're jumping few movies forward but yeah he was in his late 40s by that time anyway so you're right he was close to his 50s and you know, you're right he has mentioned what you've just uh, mentioned Justin uh, in public that hmm. um, he basically what, what, I'm going to say what you've just mentioned basically by the time he finished born he was about 58 years old or 59 years old and in his last movie he was acting in Opposite a lady who's twenty five to twenty seven years old. Yeah, yeah, I have read that as well. And, yeah, um, yeah, it, it's it is very odd when you're kind of watching this stuff. I mean, I'm not, yeah, you know, I'm confused when I'm watching these things. I think, am I supposed to be cheering Bond on? Because at the moment, I think like you know, just retire, mm. mate. Yeah, it's very weird. And yeah, well, we've talked about it loads of times now. Is that yeah, with Sean Connery, you felt a sense of danger. With Roger Moore, it feels like this whole thing's just become a comedy now. And the whole direction of the movie since Moore took over, you can tell that the team behind it are, are clearly changing the direction, and it's becoming like almost like a carry-on movie. It's yeah. the, the bit with the fish, Justin. It's just like why yes. the fuck? Why bother? Yeah, you, you why, why is that there? Been- it's almost like the windows wound down. Expected to be Sid James. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do we think then? What, what's our final scores on this movie? For me, four. A bit harsh, on it, doesn't? No, it's That's not harsh. Low. This is utter shite. <laughs> <laughs> wow, guys, guys, man. Bad Bond films, but this this one just they yeah. should just not have bothered. Do you actually think it really is a four, or is it just the fact that we've we've broken away and we've done some movies we really liked, and now no, we're coming back I, to this? No, no, I'm being no. It, it genuinely is a four. 
genuinely, well, genuinely is a four. I, you know hmm. what? I, I, I agree with Paul. I think it could be a case where we've gone away, seen some uh, different movies which we found interesting, and we've come back to this world of Bond fantasy, and with uh, Roger Moore playing it as well. So yeah, I, I think you've been a little bit harsh, Justin. But I'm not going to give it a me- mega score myself. It's nothing like a 9 or 10 or 8 or anything like that. It's going to be a 6. I'll be a little bit more generous than you. But, uh, yeah, it's a 6. And I'm really surprised it was the movie that cemented uh, Moore's Bond. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm going to go with a 6 as well. I didn't think it was awful. I didn't think it was really, really bad. But then I didn't, I didn't think it was good either. And I thought, you know, a 6 for the production phase. I really like the Lotus scene. But... It's the yeah, best part of the film. The Lotus it's, it's the only part of the film that's worth watching. Yeah. You might as well just take the rest out and just have that bit. Exactly. That's why I've given and it then... a four. If it wasn't for Lotus <laughs> scene, I wouldn't be giving it a four, but giving it a two. Mate, I'd rather just uh, have Naomi in it all the time. You know, I mean, that was the most interesting bit about it, basically. Yes. Yeah, she kind of stole it for the for the five seconds that she was actually in it. The old Caroline Monroe. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Especially yeah. that a bikini, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can understand yeah. why why Roger Moore felt a little bit stiff at the time, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess that's it. I guess that's wrapped it up. So, the spy who loved me, a four from Justin. Amazing. Wow. All right. Well, um, subscribe to the channel, like the video if you actually liked it. If you agree with us, if you think Spy Love Me was absolute dog shit, then yeah. Like the video. If not, let us know in the comments. Slag us off and all that shit, you know. Do all that if you like. Um, Yeah, that's all I've got. So, just goodbye from me. Signing out. (laughs) And goodbye from me.